Welcome to HubShots, episode 110, Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focus podcast. In this episode, we chat about Inbound 2018, the Sydney HubSpot user group, XML site maps in HubSpot, forcing SSL in HubSpot, mobile search ranking factors, and workflows versus sequences, plus a good post from Seth Godin. Welcome to HubShots, the podcast for marketing managers or sales professionals who are either using HubSpot or considering using HubSpot. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is my co-host Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm well, and let's see if we can get through all of that in 20 minutes. Fair, <laughs> fair, fair bit to get through. Let's get cracking. All right, on to our inbound thought of the week, Craig. And we'd love to go to inboundcountdown.com because there are only 225 days to inbound 2018. Can you believe it? September 4, it starts this year. It's going to race up on us quickly. Something that's even quicker in view is the Sydney HubSpot user group, which we're tentatively planning for the end of February. So if you're in Sydney, interested in HubSpot and available on last Wednesday, we think, in February to be confirmed, but will be by the time you hear this. We'd love to see you there. And if you're a part of our groups, you will get notified first. So join up and be a part of that. Looking forward to it. All right. On to our HubSpot marketing tip of the week, Craig. Getting your XML sitemaps from HubSpot. Yeah. So this is just a quick tip because if you're setting up Google Search Console, which you should all do, and if you're not, listeners, if you don't have an account, ping us and we'll show you how to set it up. But one of the things that you set up in your Google Search Console is an XML sitemap, which gives Google hints to the content on your site. Now, you might be wondering, where do I get that from HubSpot? And it's really easy. It's under your content menu, content settings, and then you hit sitemaps link in the left sidebar. You get it. You choose which links to be included by default, include them all. And then you grab that link and put it into Google Search Console. I've raced through that. So if you want a quick video, on how to do that. We've put together a quick video. When I say quick, it's two minutes and it'll walk you through the whole process. Now, Craig, I'm going to ask you the very obvious question. Why do I need a sitemap? So it's good for Google. It gives them a hint as to what links you find or you are putting forward as useful on your site. So Google will crawl a site. It'll look at the homepage and then follow links through it, sort of kind of work its way through the, the site. Whereas an XML sitemap is actually a list of links directly feed that you can directly feed to Google to say, here's the links you should index. Excellent. Now, leading on from that, we've got a little HubSpot gotcha of the week in shop three, and this is to enable SSL versus forcing SSL. This will probably come up because in the sitemap, you will have the HTTPS or HTTP, and you don't want to have mixed URLs. Am I right? That's right. Ideally, you're always after HTTPS URLs. Uh, so that's what we talk about when SSL is enabled on your site. You've got HTTPS versus HTTP. Google is after HTTPS links for your site. Um, HubSpot has a very simple way of enabling it. However, and this is why it's in Gotcha of the Week, it's easy to enable, but you might miss enforcing it. So I'm going to say enable versus enforce. You want to enforce it. And it's just a setting in your domain manager. Why it's a gotcha is because you can easily go through, yep, I've enabled SSL, I've set the DNS entries. Okay, it's all good to go. Why are some links still HTTP? Why aren't they being forced? Just go into edit domain in your domain manager. I've got a screenshot there and you set it to require HTTPS. Put that in and then it takes sometimes up to an hour just to go through, say, your XML sitemap and update those to be HTTPS links. But uh, there's a quick 
Gotcha. And a quick tip for solving it. That's right. It's happened to me before many times. Uh, we make sure that's set on. I'll so tell you another great. scenario where this happens. Uh, yes. You've got landing pages. Yes. Uh, they used to be HTTP. That's right. You enabled HTTPS on it. You thought, oh, yeah. yeah. So, and then suddenly you find, so hang on. I thought I had Some secure. of my landing pages, yeah. they're not. Uh, it's just going to the non-secure version. Uh, why isn't it doing HTTPS? It's because you want that require yeah. HTTPS. There you go. All right, on to our marketing tip of the week, Craig, and this is about mobile search ranking factors. So Google have come out and said this week that page speed is becoming a factor as of July 2018 for mobile sites. So I know a lot of people have taken steps with their desktop sites, but not a lot of mobile sites can have a totally different speed factor. And so they're actually looking at this as the mobile usage increases and providing a better better experience to people. So Google's really pushing that and this will be a part of those ranking factors on the mobile search results. That's right. I think what a lot of people don't realise is that the desktop search index is different to the mobile search index. And so when you first hear this news, you kind of go, oh, I thought always thought page speed was a factor. It's been there for ages. Well, no, actually in the mobile index it wasn't. So the question though that arises from this is, well, what's the difference? Because if you've just got a responsive site, if you've optimized it for desktop and it's fast on desktop, do you have to do anything for mobile? The general answer is no. If you've optimized it for desktop, you've probably optimized it for mobile. And the other thing to realize is that when Search Engine Land dug into this and they asked for the questions of Google and they said, well, how, how many people will be affected by this? And they said, only pages that deliver the slowest experience to users are likely to be impacted. So it's one of those things where it's probably not going to impact you badly unless you've got terrible performance. Yeah, so. and I think Google sees is a really key. They have a mobile site certification, which I did at the end of last year, and this is really the crux of it all. Like they're pushing for people to have fast mobile experiences because that that drives user behaviour and user engagement. I think that's right. You know, there was a further question in that which said, oh, should we enable AMP? Yep. You know, the accelerated mobile pages. And the, the response from that was, well, as long as they're fast, because it is possible Correct. even for AMP pages to be slow because of various pulling things. pulling different things. That, yeah. Yep. So that's not necessarily a solution, just AMP solves it all. It's actually might actually ha- have to do. And so the, a, a few extra optimizations. One of the, you mentioned that before is always images. You know, those people, you go to the site, slow as a dog, and you're kind of like, what's going on? It's got a 10-meg hero shot image. And it's like, yeah, optimise that stuff. Even things where JavaScript that gets that blocks certain things being loaded, Yeah, that's one of the really big things that seems to come up all the time. So how things load is a big, big factor. And they, they actually tell people to look at that as well. So definitely. And there are tools. If you search Google Mobile Speed Test, you'll actually get results for a desktop. And from mobile, and I actually tell you what to do to improve that. So I'd encourage you to do that. All right, Craig, on to our HubSpot marketing and sales feature of the week together today. And we're talking about workflows versus sequences. Now, we've spoken about workflows for a long time. It's been a part of the marketing product. And we have sequences a part of sales. And what's the big difference? Workflows is really one-to-many relationship. And sequences is a one-to-one relationship. So I think when we understand this, you can actually decide or know what you should be using what for in your marketing and your sales. Yeah, that's right. They're both really powerful tools. And why this is in the show today is because you were telling me about this experience you had with a client where they'd been given bad advice by an agency 
to use sequences Correct. to drive a whole lot of nurture, essentially workflows yes. I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. And you're on a on a two and a half thousand list database. That's right. So I just did a quick calculation, you know, five minutes per contact times that by two and a half thousand. And there for a long time. Yeah, and it's and it's disappointing on a lot of levels, but firstly it sounds like the agency was either didn't know what they were doing or they were misguided as to what their requirement was uh, by the client. But the point is for listeners, if you're wondering whether you should be using workflows versus sequences, if you're on the sales side of things, it's probably sequences because you're there on a one-to-one, you're growing that existing relationship. Whereas with the workflows from marketing, as you said, one-to-many, it's about nurturing to get a relationship. They're cold or just warm prospects and you're trying to nurture them into having an actual engagement and, and relationship to take it to the next step with you. We won't go into detail, but there are two links that we've included. Both are excellent links from HubSpot covering scenarios for each and also tips on how to set them up. That's right. So with sequences, I believe that's a sales professional and I think feature it- and there might actually be a, a free tier of that. And with workflows, that's actually in marketing prep professional and marketing enterprise, not in basic. You might see it in the menu when you click on it, but it ain't there. So really have a look. And I think if you've got professional and you haven't implemented a workflow, there's a link in the show notes that actually tells you the there's about five basic workflows that you can set up. And I'd encourage you to actually implement that into the system and see what you can automate because really the power of HubSpot and of using a marketing system and a sales system is to automate these tasks so that you can actually speed up the process and take away the risk of things going wrong. All right, Craig, on to our opinion of the week. And we talked about voice search last week and I was listening to a marketing school podcast and Neil Patel mentions about voice search again and how SEO is changing because of voice searches. And really the podcast was titled The Marketing Advice You Need to Hear But Don't Want to don't want to get in 2018. So I'd encourage you to listen to that. But I think this is very true. It's like there are all these new factors that are entering the market. We've got Amazon's Alexa, which you can order now in Australia, and that'll be coming on. We've got Google Home. What else we got? We've got the Apple. iHub or whatever it's called yes. coming at some point. Yep. Haven't you ordered yours yet, Craig? I haven't, no. <laughs> what we're trying to do is say understand what's going on there. Don't be afraid to test and measure, but also understand how people's behavior changes, what outputs are coming from businesses and what results we expect to see in search. Just imagine me, Craig, asking you if you are Google Assistant saying, tell me more about HubSpot workflows. And it's it's started getting results one to 10. And then you go, oh, I think I want to hear result three. (laughs) Right? It's not going to happen. It's going to pick the first one and it's going to tell you, here's what it talks about HubSpot workflows. Understanding that, we've got to then change what we do and how we do it and understand the context of it all because that's what was missing, context, right? That's right. It is context. I just want to reiterate something that we've said before, which is whenever these new opportunities come along, don't think they're mutually exclusive to current behaviour. So we still need to focus on desktop organic and mobile organic. And this is now voice or home hub organic. You know, it's kind of there you only got getting one result. The question I always wonder is, should I be worried about being position one all the time because I'll miss out on 
there's things, and there's two parts. Like the voice search is about behavior, and that that's across desktop and mobile as well, as we covered in you know in the last week's show. But then I always wonder, I wonder what Google is worried about, because Google makes their money from advertising, as we all know, and that's on desktop and mobile. So if we are moving to this home devices piece where that's just one result, Google will be saying, well, how can we make money out of that? And it's advertising. So I'd always follow that. What's Google's behavior in terms of, are they worried that there's only one result? And they and must be planning for it, but there's nothing now. They're not giving us an indication now of how they're going to monetize that. Exactly. And l- like you rightly pointed out, we can't ra- run ads on <laughs> voice search. Well, that's right. And but, but so we've always got to be thinking, oh, let's not drop everything and just optimize for voice search. We optimize for the behavior that it re- presents, but not potentially the devices on where it's going to also appear. That's an opportunity. It's not something to be done at the exclusion of our existing practices. Very sound advice, Craig. All right, on to our podcast of the week, Craig. Tell me more. Okay, I thought it was interesting to go back and look at our top five episodes from 2017 of our own podcast, bit of self-promotion here, of all time. And just yeah, to pick so. the top five of each, we've got a screenshot of our top five, and you know there was one episode that was in both lists. And I think that was surprising what episode that was, wasn't it? Well, possibly not, but it's episode yes, one. <laughs> <laughs> episode 100 with brian halligan our interview with brian halligan is by far our most popular episode of the last year thank you brian and we talk about marketing past present and future so encourage you all to go and have a listen to it there's a lot of gold in there so i'd, I'd even go back and have a listen to that you know what through this year you know what's interesting that of course would be the episode where we do the least amount of talking on the episode <laughs> And it's our most popular. I don't want to read too much into that. But there. All right. The next one that was most popular in 2017 was episode 81, which is about plain text, emails, learning page optimization, and HubSpot messaging. Then we had 76, which was about Google search behavior, HubSpot sales sequences, which we talked about today. Ding, ding. And more about learning. Then the next was 78, which was collected forms in HubSpot marketing free and HubSpot sales calls, plus more. And then number five was actually content repurposing, which was also there. So it was interesting. But, you know, overall of all time, uh, we won't go through the top five. We'll just talk about the first one. Our most popular episode of all time was episode 64, which was called Preparing for 2017. So it was obviously at the end of 2016. Solve for the problem. And on artificial intelligence, which, of course, as you remember, a year ago was kind of a lot more trendy than it is now. Now it's kind of mainstream, whereas just a year ago, short year ago, it was kind of a bit of a buzzword. So I wonder if that drove the popularity of that episode. I'll tie that back to the podcast I talk about where Neil and Eric talk about artificial intelligence doing a lot of things that we would have probably done and how there'll be jobs that are non-existent because of artificial intelligence. So understanding what it can and can't do and how it's going to affect what we do is going to be a key moving forward. So don't get caught with your pants down. Well, that's good advice for life in general, right? All right, right. but we'll leave you with a link to episode 100 for Brian Halligan. There you go. So go and check that out if you haven't already had a listen or give it another listen. Have another listen. Worth a number of listens, yeah. All right, our resource of the week, Craig, and this is a great post from Seth Godin where he says, please don't kill the blogs. This is a great post. He's basically lamenting. To Google. To Google (laughs) that they're, you know, how they have the promotions tab and the social tab and all of that. Google's decided on, you know, their own great wisdom 
what emails to put in tabs. And he's saying, well, people have subscribed to my blog. They've opted in. They've Correct. chosen to hear from me. Yes. And yet Google's decided, ah, oh, I'll just put those over in the, the promotions tab. Yes. And so his point, which I think is quite valid, is we think we're opting in, but Google's decided for us, oh, no, you're not, you know, that's effectively spam. No one goes to the promotions folder or, you know, they, that's considered spam. Mm. So this idea that uh, control is taken away and his call to Google is, well, let's be smarter about it. You've got all this machine learning. You know when people do opt in versus yes. when they're just getting sales offers that, that, that are spam. Um, I think uh, it's a really interesting read and a good call to action for Google. I hope they do respond and are a bit smarter about it. But also a reminder to us, you know, we, we're in Google's control. We send out email marketing to contacts that have subscribed. Often it does just get put in a junk file that's out of our control and, and more importantly, it's out of the recipient's control. Exactly. And I think this is interesting. As I was spending time with a customer this week, seeing larger organisations filter things out on the firewall or before it even hits anywhere where they might have actually received an email from the contact and they send them a piece of email marketing and then gets dropped or and then you kind of go, why is that happening? But it's probably because it's flagged it as marketing and so it gets stopped and followed off somewhere else. So it is interesting what's going on and I think as time goes on, we need to keep an eye on these metrics that will affect us as marketers and see how we do things better and not, not be spammy. But it's also an insight into what's going to happen in the future with messaging things because uh, you might look at this and say, oh, email, we're out of, you know, we've lost control of whether we can actually get an email to a person. So we'll go for other marketing channels and that's why we've got all the message um, options and chat options coming. But even Facebook Messenger, I can tell it's not long it's not too far away before the messenger feed that we get, especially if it's from a brand, yeah. Facebook will decide, oh, his messages you want to receive, his messages we think are spam, and they're put off in a folder and even that kind of channel so yes. they will be blocked and that will be in Facebook's control down the track or whoever, you know, the messaging um, platform that you're using. So it's it's always going to be a problem no matter what the channel is mm. and that's why we've always got to be looking for new ways to reach people and keep them engaged and opted in to, to hear from us as much as possible. Yeah, it is interesting. I'll tell you why. I was talking to a friend and customer of mine who uses Gmail on his iPhone to read his messages and I asked him, I said, why don't you use the iOS mail app and why do you use Gmail? He goes... Well, it just filters out all the stuff that I don't need to look at and I just get to see the important things when he opens his inbox because oh, right. of the way it sorts things out within oh. the Gmail app, right? Oh, okay. Which is interesting because we use, you and me both use the mail app on our iPhones. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, I actually use a third-party ma- mail okay. app. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of get everything, but I do use Gmail on my computer. So yeah. I guess I get two different views of what's going on. You know it's what? It's interesting. yeah. I, use, I don't use Gmail on my phone for reading email normally, but I do have it installed for search. Yeah. Because if I ever need to go back and search through my inbox, you do it on the Gmail app because none of the third-party apps Correct. can search properly, yes. right? So that's the only reason I have the Gmail app. But I didn't realise that it did its own filtering separate to because I kind of... Well, fit, similar to the desktop. Yeah. It'll put stuff in promotions, put stuff in updates and so on. Oh, I see what you yeah. mean. Whereas a, a normal, the native Like app the native app doesn't, doesn't do it. Right. just goes, well, here, here's all your mail. Okay. Yeah. yeah, good point. On to our quote of the week, Craig. We thought we would uh, go, go back to Darmesh. And there's a quote that he's 
said, while others make noise, quietly create value. And while they fight for attention, just follow your heart. Thanks, Damesh. I thought that would be, that's quite rather good. All right. We've got some bonus links in there about in Instagram content strategy. and some Look, there are a bunch of absolute corkers in there, including one you put me onto from Talia Wolf, who Correct. we love, of course, many times we featured her. Go to that uh, last link in bonus links of the week and have a look at that. That is fantastic content. In fact, we might chat about that next episode. Yeah, I think we should. Well, Craig, it has come to the end of episode 110. Join us on our Facebook, WhatsApp group, and we hope to see you at the HubSpot user group in Sydney at the end of February. Until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.